My name is Sean Jordan. Welcome to the Adaptive Outdoorsman Podcast. Here we'll be discussing the history and legacy behind disabled hunters, trappers, anglers, and how they adapt and persevere in the woods, on the line, and on the water. Welcome everyone to the podcast. I'd like to introduce our guest, Joshua Carney, aka Son of the South. He's a paraplegic public speaker and a reality TV actor, gym junkie, and traveling outdoorsman. Welcome to the show. Man, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on the show. Hey, thanks for coming on. Uh, it was something I've been trying to do for a while, actually, and I finally was able to connect with you, and it just goes from there, I think. Yeah, man. Well, I'm glad you connected with me, and we can get this podcast going. Right. It's definitely uh, one in the making, I think. So I'm going to start with uh, history is always a good part. Uh, where are you from and all that fun stuff? <laughs> well, I was originally born and raised in South Louisiana. Um, that's where I grew up. And uh, as of right now, I am in Nashville, Tennessee. Been here since 2019. And uh, it's been a great move for me, especially uh, – with what I do career-wise and at work, things like that. It's just mm-hmm. a decision for me. So I still bring a lot of Southern hospitality. You know, even I'm not as far south. And yeah. It feels like home. Yeah. Hey, my daddy's from Kentucky, so I get to call myself a Hoosier Billy. A Hoosier Billy. Mm-hmm. I've heard that before. I, I, I'm, tra- I'm going with trademark patent pending on that. <laughs> okay. So what yeah. is what is Hoosier Billy? Uh, you know, the Indiana is famous for being called Hoosiers and then people in the South usually go with hillbilly. So I mixed it together. Gotcha. Got it. Got mm-hmm. it. Yep. My father's mother actually, uh, she, when she was born, she passed away several years back at the age of 88, but she was born in one of those rustic old houses with no running water, no electricity, and my dad was telling me a story about how when she was a teenager, her father passed away and they barely made it through winter. So, yeah, one of those um, Kentucky natives. Okay. Yeah. What part of Kentucky? I, I couldn't tell you for the life of me. I know uh, – she married into a group of uh, family members with the last name of Cree. So, but she spoke with a lovely accent, like Shawn Michael. You gonna be late to my funeral? You know that sort of thing. And I accidentally was late to her funeral, and that was the first thing that popped my mind was my grandmother t- scolding me for being late. Gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> yeah. So, were you in the outdoors? since childhood or did that come on later on no so i grew up in outdoors so ever since i was a little kid i mean i uh i remember heck i was pretty much running rabbit dogs and diaper you know um as a little kid so i mean i started very young and it just mm-hmm. became a passion of mine and you know throughout my whole life i mean it's just been you know what's been home for me so i've always hunted or uh yeah. i fished a little bit when i was younger i don't fish as much nowadays but hunting has always been a passion for me. Yeah. Yeah, I fished a little bit as a kid, but I was one of those kids that was really emotional about seeing a fish in distress, and it didn't catch on till 
later in life. But hunting, I was started right after my son was born. So, so, so you fish growing up. Yep. Correct. And you didn't like seeing a fish in distress. And then you, did you stop fishing? Yeah, pretty much. I just grew out of it. I didn't do much fishing at all as a teenager. It was just something, you know, young kid did, but then never came about. Video games become the all important thing and all that fun stuff. But so how did you, how did you transfer from that, that kind of a, that kind of a mindset to hunting? My father-in-law actually. So he and I, I was trying to bond with him. And so we ended up on a hunting thing where he was hunting out the local reservoir. I was just doing it because I wanted to, you know, try and bond with him. And I shot and lost my first deer on my first buck that year, but I was bit with a bug and it's just blossomed into what I have now. Okay. Now on the reservoir where you're hunting, is that Indiana? Yep. Okay. So I got within five minutes of my house right now, I have access to a reservoir. And then about 10 minutes down the road, I got access to a reservoir. Okay. Where are you in location? Yeah, right. (laughs) Deer habitat, turkey, waterfowl, fishing. I definitely uh, have that, not to mention a bison farm, literally five minutes from my house as well. Like when you say bison farm, like do they hunt on it or is it just like raised for just raised. Gotcha. Okay. Cause mm-hmm. I, I know some, um, preserves that have bison on their ranches Yeah. And, you know, they, they'll hunt those though, but you know, it's a little different when you raise them, farm raising, you know, put them in yeah. high fence. Well, yeah, they're in a high fence. I think they're set. It's like, like 72 acres of land or so. So it's a nice little decent patch just right outside the city. But yeah, it'd be fun if they actually, the guy opened it up to try and get it for conservation efforts and hunting privileges for people because one, he could definitely make something off of that with the tags. But other than that, I don't think if if it's a farm, I don't think they're going to need tags. Now, I think that way, the way I read in the paper about it is. He was able to get a woods and a plain bison and then mated them to several woods and plain bison together. You know, he got a whole herd of both and was able to mix them together pretty much. I know, but what what was, uh, if if I think what's the tag part about it? Oh, I was saying if you wanted to switch over to try and wild eyes, you know, turn them into like a wild herd that essentially roamed that sort of thing or, Heck, maybe try and do like something. Throughout the state of Indiana? Well, I would hope so. I want bison back in my state. <laughs> man, I, man, that's going to cause a lot of lot of destruction, huh? Yeah, that's like similar to what we have uh, an elk, putting elk back in state land, too. <laughs> That'd be something, though. I don't think they're going to ever let that one pass. No, they're not. Indiana's yeah. way too densely packed. Yeah. That is definitely it. Way too densely packed. So, so how is hunting in Kentucky for you? Hunting in Kentucky is great. I mean, it's one of my favorite places. We uh, have a 
pretty nice farm out there and we have a lot of you know great deer on the farm so it's been great to me i uh i've turkey hunted um eastern kentucky and i've had a lot of success but kentucky as a state as far as hunting i love it i mean it's one of those places that you know they they have the quality of game and they have plenty of it um and i think they're you know they're rules for like the one buck rules that helps out tremendously when it comes to mm-hmm. growing, you know, good deer and, you know, conservation and, you know, protecting the habitat. So I yep. think uh, Kentucky's one of those states that's probably top five for me. Mm. Yep. I definitely understand that one buck rule because Indiana has it and they have, I think it's actually helped as well in terms of getting bucks bigger in order to keep people from just shooting everything. Yeah, so I just left a show in Indiana, um, and I seen more 200 inch deer on the bragging board than I have ever seen in my life. I mean, <laughs> I didn't know Indiana produced deer of that quality, but mm-hmm. I seen a lot of giants at that show. Yeah. yeah, I talked to Dustin Huff. I had him on the podcast and everything, and yeah, he had 211, I think, or 212. It's- T twelve. His his deer was at the uh, at this event too. Uh, oh, nice! Mm-hmm. So you got to meet him. Yes, I've met Dustin before. It shows. Okay, he, lives, yeah. he actually lives here in Nashville as well, or he plays here in Nashville. Yeah. Um. So yeah, kind of met through shows here and there. Nice. Yeah, that is a big buck. Yeah. <laughs> the surprising thing is they had bucks at this show that made him look small. Yeah, I know. They don't report some of those. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, this was, this was also an all-Amish show, so mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure they don't want to report that. No, why would yeah. they do that? But, uh, yeah, I was a buddy of mine from the Missouri Woods and Water podcast. They shared something on Instagram about the top 10 bucks uh, states for deer. And Missouri, I think, made <sighs> number eight. Indiana was number four. I think Indiana is a sleeper state, to be honest with you. Like, oh, I've it never, definitely is. I've never like really considered Indiana with my traveling and things like that. But, you know, now looking at what I just saw and, you know, I got a buddy there. He's sending me trail cam pictures. I'm like, man, Indiana is one of those states I've definitely put on my list of deer hot. Yeah. Uh, I didn't realize it till I was, you know, further in my outdoor career. And I was just like, holy cow yeah we're a sleeper state nobody knows about us because we're a flyover state no one's gonna think about it and we've got public land we've got private land and i know that that helps out but i mean we used to have before i think it was ehd started rolling through back down the southern state you could take eight nine deer in a freaking county yeah well, I know here in uh, Tennessee, some of our counties, we can get uh, two bucks per year and three does a day. So, I mean, there's just plenty of deer. Three does a day? Yeah, three does a day. Oh, my Lord. Yep. So, it was originally, you know, eight bucks, to, uh, eight deer total, not eight bucks. That would be, that'd be fun. Taxidermy bit list. <laughs> but. Yeah, it was southern Indiana. My father-in-law was trying to set something up. We'd all go down there and hunt for days on end for doe and then come back up. But I'm happy with trying to get three deer a year. So I right now. 
I hear you, man. Feel free to upfeed family. That's what it's all about. Right. I mean, 175 pounds of buck after dressed and everything else, you're getting about 75 of that back. So, yeah, I mean, you get plenty of meat. I mean, and that's the thing about, you know, hunting in general. I mean, you get a lot of, you get more meat for what you're paying versus going to the grocery store and yeah. getting meat off the shelf. I mean, that's with tags. And then if you want to do a processing, you're still getting a better price tag. Which yeah, is I mean, awesome. like I said, if you want to cut down, you can also just, you know, do it yourself. Process yourself. Yeah, I've done one deer so far processed by myself. It was a small uh, yearling fawn, but that was, like I said, early in my thing. I didn't want to pay for a processor, so I decided to do it myself. Mm-hmm. It was pretty nice. I was actually able to get the steak sizes I wanted out of it. Was this recently? Uh, let's see. It was about four or five years back or so. Oh, so you, so you take your deer processor now? Yep. Yeah, it's a lovely little drive, but they also have a taxidermist that's local that I go through as well. So near the processors. The processor is actually a... They only primarily harvest, uh, deal with deer. So, Perfect. it's kind of cool. Yeah, just outside of Peru. <laughs> so, but yeah, I got my uh, one buck done by the taxidermist out, out by Peru. So, I was like, okay, might as well. What did you, uh, you end up getting? Uh, the buck or the, the food wise? The buck. The oh. buck. Yeah, the buck I got when 2021 buck, he was a 141. Oh, that's awesome. Nine, yep. And then because he was a nine-point offshoot, you know, he didn't have any hangers, but he was nine points on one side, five points on one side, four on the other. That one extra point actually deducted from yep. the symmetric. So he went back, he went down to, I think, a 123. He dropped much? Yep. That's crazy. Oh, you're telling me I wasn't very happy about that. <laughs> so what's the story? What's the story of that hunt? That hunt, I was, uh, it's on my mom and stepdad's private land that I'm allowed to hunt. It's like 10 acres, bow only. And I was at work and this guy had only shown up on, because I only have one active year round trail cam. And this guy had shown up twice throughout the the summertime and every time i was like holy cow the last i had seen this guy was in on august 8th of 21 i did not see him till november 11th of veterans day okay at, at work i said wait was he at your job or did you have a cell camera i have a cell camera just gotcha. one literally okay. it's on year round so i don't even classify it as i mean it's out in a field for god's sake so you're not gonna see anything special i mean you know it's not special walkway area or whatnot so i was debating on going out because it just freshly rained i talked to a buddy of mine so what's your what's what's your what's your reasoning for setting up a camera where it doesn't have any activity well it has plenty of doe activity out there the does and the fawns go out there it's like near a staging area and whatnot so 
it's just in the backfield pretty much. There's some woods around that area. They like to graze on the grass. There's a lot of clover on it. They have a lot of natural forage, such as berries and everything around there. So, And it's near water. Okay. Yeah, right. Okay. So, yeah, I was at work when I saw him and at noon. And so I got out and 3 o'clock. I was out by the blind by about 4 o'clock. And 15 minutes later, I start hearing grunts. And here comes this doe walking out, and then I hear more grunts, and then I just see about 30 yards out, antlers popping out of the, the uh, staging area. And I got tree branches round his vitals, and I take aim with the crossbow I got and double lung him perfectly. He takes off 20 yards back into the staging area, stops, and he goes night-night. Gotcha. So kind of i kind of want to jump back so what's your process as far as like do you do summertime scouting you're planning in the off season or anything like that or like what's your i know know indiana rules are like a lot different in other states so like what's your process of being successful that i usually try and put out every so often seed for clover because they really love the clover and whatnot and then I was going to put out brassics this year in a certain area, but I never got around to it due to other things. It feels like this turned into a reverse interview, didn't it? It did. It, it, it did. <laughs> you know what? So, We're going to keep going with it. Oh, so what do you do with yours? I'm going to turn the tables a little bit. We can go with your property that you play with all the time. So normally, so I have, so I travel. I mean, that's, part of my mm-hmm. job so i have a lot of you know different grounds that i can go through and bounce back for but um some states you know so for instance kentucky just changed their rules to where we can't bait in the off season now so hmm. that completely shifts things around for us so um that would fo- force us to do um Food more plots. summertime plots yep more summertime plots and uh, we have a lot of agriculture so we grow beans and corn mm-hmm. so the deer have something to kind of graze on and they have you know the nutrition nutritional value of um you know a feed on the place so you know we don't have to go and really get after you know big food plots and everything like that since we can't um but now i think it starts you can start back in august putting out bait um which like i said I, i don't i don't understand the process of it because, mm-hmm. you know, that summertime period is when those deer are really putting their antlers on. So yeah. it, just, it makes it a little tougher um, now, when it comes to growing deer. Would you be uh, – Is it? are you able to put out mineral, like Lucky Buck or – So I believe that's a, that's still a gray line as far as that. Um, mm-hmm. Not 100% sure on that rule, um, but I know that we cannot bait. Yeah. I know I don't try to bait. In fact, I pretty much put out what it is for mineral deposit because I've tried mineral feeds and all that fun stuff. The wildlife loves them, but just like the deer. So the raccoons really ravish it, but they don't touch the raccoons never touch the mineral lick. So that I've used unless I'm putting a rock out that like Like Walmart special trophy, trophy rock. 
Yeah. Okay. I put one of those out and then I saw at, on a trail cam video, or actually a couple of pictures, the raccoons rolling it away. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, all right. yeah so, the powder mineral stuff works well. <laughs> so here's what I didn't know, and I just found this out um, this past weekend. In Indiana, you have to dig up your uh, mineral site before season starts. Hmm. I didn't know that at all. That, yeah, so you have to dig up your mineral site before hunting season starts. It can't can't be any minerals in the ground. No source of food, baiting, or any kind of attractants to hunt over in Indiana. I had, I had no idea until this weekend. Yeah. Normally, I just let the mineral attractant run out for, you know, I don't put anything out for, I think this will literally be the last thing. I put out and I still got three months to go. So I just let, you know, they consume it and I don't have any mineral left on the ground or anything. And it just lasts about three months and then they're done. And then I, after season, I start putting out more. So that way they, uh, pack on the pounds. They don't lose any of the health. The baby deer can be born healthy and everything. So now do you have a certain type of mineral that you're putting out for the lactation and I found that I was using, you know, just off the shelf stuff, but then I found the lucky buck mineral, but, and no, this podcast anybody is not sponsored by them. I just like it that way. We get that one out of the way. <laughs> so yeah, I was just using that. What were you using prior to the ban that they started in place? We were, we were baiting, we were using corn and, um, and, protein pellets okay um, were so, you able to do that year round or was that yes yeah, full year round mm-hmm. and then they just cold turkey the whole thing wow yeah so it, it's weird because like i can see if they stopped it just during turkey season where you couldn't have bait on a property during turkey season that's understandable yeah. because your turkeys are going to come to your corn things like that um but for them to completely stop it throughout the whole summer i just i don't understand the process because i mean that's when your deer are really going to need, you know, that nutrition yeah. for those antlers and, you know, for your does to tap the, um, you know, the proper yeah. like milk, milking and for the fall. Just oh, yeah. So, um, I, I don't understand why they changed that rule, but they did it. Well, so we just got to kind of go by it. Well, Kentucky, luckily Kentucky is a very mineral rich state. I, I feel, I mean, just seeing the red, red, you know, ground that they, the soil and everything, how it's red and everything. So, yeah, well, I'm fortunate enough to where we're on a uh, lot of river bottom land. So the deer have a lot of nice. Yeah. A lot of good sources to grow big. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the private land I mine, there's wild grapes that's going around there. Mulberries, uh, blackberries, uh, wild asparagus. And this is all natural. This isn't even no planning needed. I mean, we have acorns in there. And this is, like I said, all natural, just grown up from the ground food sources that they have around that area. So, yeah, they get plenty of green and fruits and nuts year round. So that's a good thing, at least. So what other hunts do you do other than deer hunting? And I actually want to get back to deer hunting eventually, but <laughs> so that's a, um, that's a 
very big question. So <laughs> deer hunting is not my main priority. I mean, I deer hunt, but it's not my favorite. Um, yeah. Turkey hunting is my favorite. It is, you know, something that I'm very passionate about. Um, I just love turkey hunting. Uh, but I, I think I love chasing and pursuing animal more than deer hunting. I think, I think that's, you know, just something for me. I love spot and stock and I love putting mm-hmm. on all that stuff. So, um, you know, deer hunting is probably at the, the bottom of my top five list. Waiting uh, and waiting and waiting. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I tell people that I deer hunt just waiting on turkey season. So, hey. <laughs> um, but I mean, I hunt just about everything. I mean, we, um, I'm setting up another, we're doing, so September's roll around and mm-hmm. we'll have gator season in Louisiana. So we'll spend some time on the water gator hunting and, you know, get a couple big gators. That's how, that's how I normally start my season out. Um, I'm jealous from there. Um, later in September, we're going to Florida and we're going to do a, uh, a python and iguana hunt. So we're going to hand grab pythons and then we're going to go air gun some iguanas. Okay. I'm really jealous now. <laughs> and, um, yeah, later in the year, we'll focus on, uh, getting some whitetail and, you know, chasing whitetail for, you know, October, November. And then I think mm-hmm. December we're going to change over to waterfowl. Cause normally around, normally around December, I'm, I'm burnt out on whitetails. I just don't want to chase them anymore. Yeah. Um, then we'll switch over to waterfowl and we're going to shoot some, uh, shoot some geese and then we'll go chase a couple of ducks. And, you know, later in the year, January ish, we'll kind of start. Right. No, I'm not, I'm not. I used to squirrel hunt. I was a big squirrel hunter growing up, um, mm-hmm. had squirrel dogs and everything, which is a fun time. Um, but you know, later in that, that year, January ish, you know, we'll start getting back to show season. So mm-hmm. you know, switching in between trade shows and trying to hunt in between trade shows so i'll kind of do a few late season hunts you know just yeah. depends on where my rap show is and things like that so rabbit kinda, or something like that pretty much something small i'll still deer hunt a little bit but it'll be late season deer hunt but i mean it just depends on mm-hmm. you know where because you know down south the rut is late i mean it's yeah. later than up north so it's you know, still have stagnated yeah so we still have opportunity to you know hunt deer in january in some places you know up to february yep i know uh, last year i started hunting rabbits all the way up to february and that was about the first time i was that's the first time i've actually been able to harvest a rabbit and that was with an iron sighted 22 so you weren't running dogs you are doing stock nope. okay yep just stalking through the uh 10 acre the eight acres of woods on uh my private land and just stalking them and boom so that was you said it was your first first time hunting rabbits and yeah i haven't ran a rabbits with dogs so okay so this is was it recently yeah last year okay, or okay. This, yeah this yep so yeah i've slowly expanded out on what i hunt pretty much you know getting my feet wet making certain i can do it properly before jumping head first into it so what all what all do you hunt now uh as of right now waterfowl which i haven't successfully uh harvested any of that but that's just from time and weather and all that fun stuff mm-hmm. uh morning dove which i've put in for a draw this year which is nice it's gonna be fun so that's gonna be fun 
and I know I just repeated myself. Yeah, you can't tell I'm tired. Yeah, that's okay. But yeah, so then squirrel, rabbit, and whitetail right now. Gotcha. And those are pretty much the things that are in my state to hunt. Gotcha. Now, was your uh, your whitetail the buck you were just talking about? Um, was that your biggest deer? Yep. Okay. Awesome. Well, the one that I could tell, my first buck I was hunting was a on public land, and I lost him. You know, in a n- new person, never knowing how to properly track, I hit him in the bread basket, knocked him on his back. I should have sat down, but I what's, loaded another what's the, shell. What's the bread basket? Oh, uh, that's the nickname for the lungs, the heart, and liver. Gotcha. So you hit him right in the in the kill zone. Yep. So what? You just lose blood. What happened? I chased him too early, and yeah, we lost him after a while. I think either somebody picked him up because there was a lot of blood on the ground, and somebody came across him as a hunter said, "Okay, this is mine now," or he just hid so well that we couldn't find him. Gotcha. You ever lose? You ever lose a deer? Not many. I've lost two that I can remember. Yeah. Um, one was because, uh, she crossed the Creek on me and I don't know where she went after that. And, um, I want to say, I, I, mm, yep. I lost one with a bow. I saw I lost one with a rifle and one with a bow. Um, I couldn't, um, I actually lost a deer in Kentucky with a bow. Um, it was a rut, full on rut had a decoy out in front of my blind and I couldn't fully turn to where the deer was. Mm-hmm. And, um, I guess my, my bubble wasn't level. Like my sight bubble wasn't level. And, I uh, just put a, a further back shot on them than I wanted to. Mm-hmm. And, um, just didn't bleed that great. Yeah. Now, do you use any sort of calls when you're deer hunting or water? What type of calls do you use? I don't do you use any at all. I use my mouth, mm. my vocal cords. Same for turkey. Yep, same for turkeys. That's how I got. That's how I got known using my vocal cords calling animals. Nice. Yeah, I use a mix for turkey. I use a mixture because we used to have a turkey at our house, and you know, you hear the turkey gobble enough, you know the sound they're going to make. Yeah. And then I also use uh, Phelps game calls. Gotcha. Yeah, last year I got their uh, Beta Pro Buck Grunt. It works. I actually pulled in a yearling fawn buck that was actually not a yearling fawn. I think he was a little like a like a little spite buck or whatnot. Yeah, I got so, you. yeah, he was barely. Sh- yeah, and uh, was he a spike buck? No, he wasn't a spike buck. He actually had he was a little mini six point. I'm thinking he had maybe three or four points on him and he was about three or four inches big but he came into the buck grunt so it works gotcha 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 so uh, i'm gonna use it that's all awesome. i mean it's it, it's a good call i mean this thing has survived a german shepherd <laughs> yeah my german shepherd got a hold of my buck grunt and it is that durable that even the rubber bellow is that durable that it didn't even affect it. Yep. I got you, man. It's awesome. <laughs> so where have all you hunted? 
Man, that's a mm. that's an even loaded question. I'll put it like this: I've traveled thirty-eight states, and I've probably caught it seventy percent of that. What is your favorite animal to hunt? Turkeys. Every day of the every day of the week, turkeys. No antelope, moose. Elk. So I hadn't I hadn't really I hadn't went out west next year. I'll plan on okay. going out west and doing um you know, doing some more western hunts. I want to get after mule deer and um mm-hmm. you know, I wanna get after I've I've hunted cow. I've gotten a cow elk. Um just not a bull, but I wanna get out west and you know, chase some animals. So instead of my season starting in Louisiana with gators. I want to get out west and start my season out west with, you know, whether it's, you know, mule deer or uh, antelope. I'll probably do antelope once or twice. I'm not, I don't think I'll be, it just depends for me. Um, I'd probably fall in love with the chase of it, but I've had mm-hmm. antelope meat and it's not the greatest. Uh, so you think I'm it was not. because it wasn't prepared the correct way or just, <laughs> just the meat itself? I'm not sure, man. It just, you know, once they start eating all that sage, it kind of gets in their meat and it just doesn't, you know, taste the greatest. Hmm. Thinking about ways to offset that with certain flavors in my head already. I, if you get an antelope and you can make that happen, send me the recipe. Oh, I will. I'll be experimenting the crap out of it. <laughs> <laughs> but that's for a later date and time. Uh, do you plan on hunting moose in the at all in the near future or is that just that's on the dream list in the five years i'll be honest moose isn't even on my bucket list no kidding that's usually on somebody's bucket list it's not it's just not i don't i mean i think it'd be cool but i just as of right now i just have no interest in hunting moose it's just Mm -hmm. i mean it's uh um i just don't have an interest in it right now you know I think they're phenomenal animals, and I, I've seen some incredible moose hunts over the years with other outdoor personnel. But like I said, as of right now, that is not on my bucket list. Yeah, yeah, hauling that thing out—you would need a tractor to pull that. Yeah, uh, you need way more than a tractor. I was just talking about the head. Yeah, you need a <laughs> tractor, not a tractor. Yeah, I, you literally have to have something with some serious power to pull. Even half of that weight on yeah, a sled. No, for sure. I mean, heck, what was it? Uh, one of the meteor episodes where they hunted up in Alaska. They used the river itself to pack out the whole thing because it would have taken them hours. Yeah, no, it, it's a, that's a big animal. Yeah, that I wouldn't need to hunt deer for the next three years with that dang thing. No, I'm well, like I'd probably be passing out some meat with that. <laughs> no, but like I said, I, uh, I've seen some incredible moose hunts, and you know they they get. I'd so like I said, it's not on my bucket list, but I've seen it to where like I'm an adrenaline junkie too, and I've seen mm-hmm. it to where the moose get right in your face on a lot of those hunts. So I don't know, maybe later down the road I'll change my mind and you know want to try it just because, like I said, during the rut mating season, you know they get right in your face if you call them right. So. I don't know, maybe yeah. later on I'll, I'll try it, but I said it's right now. It's just it's not it's not on my bucket list. I uh, like I said, you know, we're going hand grab pythons. Like when it comes to adrenaline, like I want something that's gonna you know put a little fear in me. So it doesn't noodling. It it used to, um, 
it used to, you know, going in there at first time and you're sticking your hand in a hole, and you don't know what's in it. I mean, it's yeah. a little nerve wracking. Um, but you know, once you get used to, and you start, you know, catching fish, the adrenaline's there. And, you know, it's an amazing time when you catch them and you pull them out and they're fighting you. And, you know, that's a fun time. So I love that. Um, mm-hmm. And I think, like, with me doing it, you know, a few times, that adrenaline buzz kind of, like, wore off. So I, uh, I reached out to my, uh, my friend Allison, co-host Allison. And I was like, yeah. I just want to do something that's just a little bit more exciting, a little bit more, you know, thrilling and dangerous. So I uh, <laughs> presented, hey, let's go catch a python. And, and she was like, hey, let's go do it. So that's going to be an adrenaline rush for us. Gators and pythons. Oh, I'm not worried about the gators. I grew up with those. I'm not. I have no oh. fear of alligators. <laughs> uh, I'm going hunting gators with you next, next time. So that I'll, way I can... I'll be honest with you. I'm a little wild and a little reckless. So just, <laughs> just be sure that that's what you want to do. If I'm going hunting, at least I'm going big, and then I'm gonna go home, right? Yeah, I mean that's that's I mean that's every day. You got to go big or go home. Yeah. Well, I'd say if, learn from somebody that grew up doing it because they know the best ways to do it, the safe and is even though you say it that way, you know the safest ways to do it without with mitigating risk while also maximizing your reward. Yeah, no, you're not going to lose an arm when we go, but I mean, like, you're going to be on yeah. your toes. You're going to be, you're going to be a high anticipation. Um, uh, joke's know. on you. I can't get on my toes, so. <laughs> okay, well, neither can I, so there we go. Hey, we'll we'll be at the same level. I'll just be l- trying to make sure I don't fall in the water. That'll be the fun one. Oh, no, I'll have you. I'll, I'll teach you how to hand grab alligators by the end of the trip. Wow. Well, at least it ain't hand grabbing uh, sharks. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, No, no. I've uh, had a guest on. He's a great guy, great father, but he uh, was not doing it the proper way. And even he admits that he wasn't grabbing the shark the proper way. There's a way the shark had gotten hooked up and he was trying to de-hook it and it spun around and then bit his hand. Nice. Did he lose it? No. I don't know why I said nice today. (laughs) <laughs> it's the it's the uh shark factor it always gotcha. bumps it up to 10 so he, he kept his arm kept his it literally just you know small little shark probably a, gotcha about that gotcha. big you know gotcha boom gotcha. boom boom i mean, I mean razor it, blades it's still a story you can tell people you get bit by a shark yeah That's right for itself yeah i would remember hearing a story i think it was from joe Samelli telling about a, a his story on a party bus they were blue fishing and some guy came up with on there he was wearing bass gear and everything and he ended up catching a blue not realizing they have the serrated teeth with the coagulated saliva he flipped that fish and the rest of the trip he was holding the paper towel over his thumb yeah that sounds terrible yep that way, if I ever go blue fishing, I'm bringing the uh, lip trippers <laughs> to hold yeah. them up. So he didn't see the teeth in his mouth before he... I don't think he realized that they were that. Gotcha. The way the story goes, he was just anticipating it was like a bass. They had the fight, everything. Here, I'm going to grab it, not realizing those teeth were razor blades. Gotcha. 
then I looked up what blues fish look like, and I'm like, holy cake. <laughs> so, how, if you want to get into it, we don't have to, but how did you become the paraplegic? My dad shot me turkey hunting. Oh. 13 years old, first turkey hunt ever. Um, we were set apart probably 15 yards. And, um, yeah, I watched him pick up his gun, pull the trigger, there's no shell in it, load a shell in, pull the trigger and shot me. Ooh. Yeah. I'm sorry. I, it's what it is. It's life. Yeah. Yeah. You get on, still good on speaking terms with your dad or? No, absolutely not. Not because uh, of, there's a lot of reasons why. Uh, we don't have to get into those reasons <laughs> at all. So. When did you start doing reality TV? Yes, we're going through your resume now. I want to say I did my first reality show in 2011, 2011, 2012, somewhere in that area. Um, Mm -hmm. But I've always done outdoor TV at the the age of 14. I've done outdoor TV um, as far as local, um, local hunting channels in Louisiana. Um, mm-hmm. I've done, I was filming at the age of like 16 for, um, one of the shows. Um, and then it kind of pushed me into doing a, um, reality show. I had some friends that were filming it and it was, mm-hmm. uh, this one here was on MTV. It was a reality show way back in, like I said, 2012 ish. Um, from there, picked up the camera. I still did, um, hunting shows and outdoor TV shows. Um, and then 2014 come along and then that's when I went to the ATA show and met a lot of companies that were in there and had, um, outdoor shows and we did interviews and like all these different things. So, um, I think from 2014 to 2018 ish, um, Mm -hmm. I was just about on every, um, outdoor platform, like, um, outdoor TV platform, you know, in that time period. Um, yeah, it's guests on a show, co-hosting or anything like that. Um, and in the mix of that, I did um, Swamp People for uh, mm-hmm. two years, and just had a good time, man. You know, just yeah, that that outdoor lifestyle. That's all that I know. That's how I grew up, and like I said, I've been doing this kind of deal since I was fourteen. Yeah. So you know, it fits. Yeah. So in that time. As a paraplegic, you've actually hosted shows on outdoor channels and all that fun stuff. I was not the main host, so I my okay. deal is on this out. Um, I was more of a co-host for um for different a couple shows. of them. <laughs> okay, so nothing ever centric around disability yet, huh? Till anything recent or not? What do you mean? Okay, so. I'm thinking like, uh, you know, disabled host on a mainstream outdoor media, basically. No, uh, yeah. I mean like, so I don't, I don't look at, I don't present myself that way or look at myself that way. I mean, I, I understand that I do, you know, I am mm-hmm. there, but I don't see it as a disability. I just see it as a, you know, what's challenging me today kind of deal. Yeah. Um, you know, and you know, I, I've, done a lot of events and I still host, you know, kids hunts, you know, you do have physical challenges and, you know, it's, it's not about, I don't see it as about a disability. It's like, okay, like how can we figure out how to get you over an obstacle? 
Um, mm-hmm. Like I said, that's what, you know, I focus on presenting versus, you know, it being considered a disability. Because, I mean, mm-hmm. I, I think I think a disability is only of the mind, not the body. I mean, I think you can do just about anything you want to do as long as you got the mindset to do it. So, like I said, right. I don't shift towards that, you know, using that as a, you know, hey, like, we're focused on only disabled people. I just, I, I feel that we should focus on, well, in my, in my situation, I focus on, okay, there's a challenge. It's an obstacle in front of you. How can we overcome, how can we overcome it and showcase that in a positive yeah. way? I understand. That makes, that's pretty nice. And I like the idea of it behind it. It's pretty much just, you just do live in life the way you like to live. Yeah, I mean, like it's, you know, like I said, I, mean, I have my ups and downs about challenges as being mm-hmm. a paraplegic in the outdoors. I mean, but, you know, like I said, it's a challenge. Like, how can I overcome it? Like, how can I figure this out to get to where I want to be, to, you know, be successful in the woods and all that. So, like I said, it's just, you know, it's just another day, another challenge. How do you adapt to the situation at hand to become successful? You just got to figure it out. <laughs> you just got to figure it out. I mean, that's been my model for everything like. Uh, yeah. growing up, like I'll figure it out. That's been my model for everything. Yep. My, uh, motto recently, especially for the podcast is to stay adaptive because staying adaptive means you will overcome what has been given to you one way or the other. You're either going to power through it or you're going to find a way to work through it. So staying adaptive, I'm going to switch it back over to you. <laughs> How do you adapt to being in the woods with, you tell me, you tell me what it was you have. What is it? How do you pronounce it again? Or what, how do you correctly say it? Bilateral club feet. Bilateral club feet. So, so how do you go about? I've had surgeries. Okay. So the surgery straightened my feet out. And, but I still can't move them properly. I can't move them up, down, left, right, rotate them at all. So pretty much permanent one way to walking. I got to lift my leg up, stomp it down pretty much. So if you need to get inside of a deer stand, how do you turn it around? Um, I can move my body and, you know, turn around, walk. I just got to pick my legs up just about three inches higher, pretty much. It's pretty much like somebody who would be, um, wearing a prosthesis on their legs. So Somebody that's an amputee, they got to move their legs in a certain way to pick up the prosthesis and move it around. They can still rotate and move around. So that's a rough way of describing my feet, pretty much. Okay. So when you're in the outdoors, like what's the, what's your hold up? Like what, what challenges you the most getting in the outdoors? Climbing. Okay. That's understandable. <laughs> yeah. Right. And which is ironic because my dream hunts the mountains, uh, goat or sheep, and I have balance issues. How can you make that happen? Well, um, I'm thinking walking sticks to adaptively be able to walk up there and pray to God I don't lose balance. And pretty much pray to God I don't go down any scree scree fields. So, okay. So with that, your dream hunt's a mountain hunt. Mm-hmm. Walking sticks is an Pretty idea. Much, yeah. Have you tried? Can you up your walk on a treadmill? Yeah, and it hurts like ever. Uh, right. One of the problems with me is uh, walking hurts 
every step, no matter what. But that's like you said, it's part of everyday life. You got to deal with what you're given and pain is part of the process. So my next question is, are you going to let your pain stop you from your dream? Oh, heck no. I just got to save, uh, be able to save with the money to pr- apply for it. <laughs> I got you. So you said mountain goat. That's where, where are you thinking? Uh, I have not thought of the state yet, obviously, for various reasons, but probably one of the ones that have a higher success rate for out-of-staters. <laughs> so I think they... So are you, are you going unguided? That one, I haven't even... I haven't even gotten that far ahead yet. I'm pretty much in the dream phase. Wait for it till you can apply and hopefully get it. <laughs> they still gotcha. 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 Yep. That, that's the five year down the line, uh, dream hunt, but well, I hope it happens for you sooner yeah. than five years. So you have to root for you. Me too. But yep. Gotta have fun life stuff taken care of and all that. But So what is your dream hunt that you want to do? Mountain lion with a bow. Over a pack of dogs. Probably Utah or... um, Probably Utah, honestly. Maybe Wyoming. But Mm. mountain lion with a bow over a pack of dogs. Wow. Yep. But off horseback. I mean, the whole trip, off horseback, running hounds, chasing lions. Uh, Oh, man. Yeah, that's, that's bucket list. Okay, uh, mountain, then doing what you just said, because that sounds really exciting. <laughs> no, I've, uh, I have some friends that run. Uh, so, I mean, we, we bear hunt with dogs, and you know, mm-hmm. that's fun. And like I said, I grew up with, you know, as a kid running hounds, and you know, I just love watching dogs work, especially a good hunting dog. And, yeah. uh, you know, uh, a mountain lion is something that presents one hell of a challenge. I mean, they can run, you know, 10 to 20 miles with a pack of dogs on them. So it's just fun. It's challenging. You know, it, mm-hmm. it, it'll be a fun time for sure. I had a buddy of mine up in Michigan, Shannon Cortman. He was born with spinal bifida. So he's been in a wheelchair since he was two. And a couple of years back, he went on his first black bear hunt in Michigan with dogs. They end up having to carry him to the black bear site, and he ended up using his 357 Bushmaster with a tripod, one-handed, and pop that bear out of the tree. Yeah, that's awesome. So my last, uh, my last bear was in South Georgia, and they had to tow me. Like it was, it was so thick where we were. I mean, we couldn't see five feet in front of us. I mean, everything was so thick. We had to go in, cut out trails with machete and all that stuff. I mean, it was nasty. Yeah. Now, with the stuff, I know we've talked before the podcast about it. Uh, do you think on that trip with any other than a tractor, any of the other modern size? Tractor, tractor would not have even gone through. So, do you, do you think uh, an outrider coyote would have been able to do no, that? No, absolutely so not. So, this was, this was pretty much put you on a stretcher and pray to God. Walking trails only. Oh, wow. Like I said, we had to cut with the machete trails in there to get through where we're going. Oh, when, wow. when I, when I shot my bear, we had to cut a hole through the tree above us just so we could shoot the bear. Oh my. Lord. I mean, we're, we're talking thick. I mean, I could, we could see five feet in front of us. Then it's in the swamp, you know, we're walking through water. 
I think when we when we actually got to chew the bears on, we were in three foot of water. Wow. So, yeah. Nasty stuff. But it was Bring fun. your waiters for that. Yeah, and it was a great time. Had an absolute oh. fun time. No, oh, I imagine it was a great time, man. I mean from what I've seen, black bear hunting is it's one of the greatest things in the world. I got a buddy of mine that just went out and went bear hunting. So I don't know if you got anything yet. So my, uh, yeah. my, I guess my second bucket list next to mountain line would be, uh, I want to go to Canada and do a black bear on the ground with a bow. Oh, I mean, nice. 10 yards or less is what I'm looking uh, for. Mm. Color face. I don't know. It just depends. It depends on the situation. I mean, I've uh, I've gotten a couple of black bear, uh, so maybe a color phase. I'd love a good cinnamon bear. So like I said, mm-hmm. it would be picky, but you know, it depends on size and maturity of the bear. Yeah, I know they can get upwards of what was it, three fifty? But usually, most of the bears they get that much you larger s- than that. oh, <laughs> yeah. I, was, I think I was thinking about the average. I don't know why. No, my uh, my business partner, she has the um, North Carolina record for female bear she held the record for a while and it's over 700 pounds bear i mean it's massive jeez i know i've heard from i forget where i heard it from but most of the people that harvest a bear are usually harvesting a bear they thought was large but it was actually a lot lighter afterwards there's just a lot of fur that makes them look bigger than what they are Mm -hmm. i mean it's kind of like a turkey once they blow up and strut they look a lot bigger than what they are yeah, then you're usually left with less meat than a chicken. Yeah. But at least you get the fan out of the deal, right? Now, turkeys what is, have a lot of meat, a lot of great meat on turkeys. Oh, yeah. Now, have you ever tried smoking it or? No, turkey nuggets is how we go. We, we'll kill a bird. Uh, we'll have fresh turkey nuggets they can't. Ah, nice. whatever <laughs> works, right? From field to now, play, right way. I can't blame you. What's your favorite turkey to hunt? And have you hunted all North Americas? Uh, my favorite turkey is definitely Easterns. Uh, they're a little bit more stubborn. I love how they uh, they have a deeper gobble to them. Um, mm-hmm. they, it's it's a cat and mouse game. I love how... Um, you got to draw them to you. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I love it because it's fun working a bird. You know, some mm-hmm. birds, they'll get caught up to where um, they're hinned up. They don't want to come working in and you know, sometimes you got to piss the hen off, and then she's going to bring in the top. So I mean, like, it, it's a game. Of, it's a game of chess almost, but it's mm-hmm. my favorite game of chess. Hey, like I said, I don't mind it. I'm still working on that, trying to draw them in. This past year, like for the reservoirs, the only way you can hunt turkeys on reservoirs is through a draw hunt. It's a free draw hunt, but you only get three days to pick from, and you got those three days to play with, and you got to be out by one. Gotcha. So I worked a field edge twice, two days in a row. Didn't get anything. Was I had a, a uh, Jake decoy and a hen decoy, but I didn't pull any toms out or any hens. But I was far enough away that I fooled some passerby or thinking that they were actual birds. And then I went farther in at a different area and didn't get anything on the last day. So. But it's better than my first time hunting, so that works always well. First time hunting, I ended up breaking my foot. You broke your foot that was already pretty much broken? Yep, pretty much. 
<laughs> I finished it off, and that was the year I got my big buck, too. So had a crappy uh, first turkey season, but had a great deer season. Yeah, well, at least you had a good season. That's all that matters. Hey, yeah, getting out in the woods is a good season regardless. Absolutely. Now, I know you and I have talked about it and seen it, and you're talking about on your Instagram about starting up your first podcast. How's that going for you? So we actually just recorded our uh, our first episode last night. Um, finish it up. I actually have to get out of here in a second and go get it, you know, time get it tuned up and everything like that, so it can be uh, uploaded tomorrow. Um, mm-hmm. Like I said, me and my co-host Allison, we had a great time. Which pretty much introduction podcast, and we'll have a few few interesting guests that are good friends of ours, good friends of mine mm-hmm. um, in the hunting scene and in the country music scene as well. So we will have some fun, incredible guests and some cool stories to tell. Like I said, her and I, uh, her and I go on some cool adventures together. Like I said, noodling and uh, like I said, this we're gonna do some Python trip here. So you know, we're gonna have a lot of fun to talk about. Nice. Well, uh, do you want to plug any social media? Yeah, if anybody wants to find me, uh, my website is sonofthesouth.co. Um, that's S-O-N of the south.co. Um, my social media channels are on there. And anything else to find me is attached to their website. Or you can search online Joshua Carney and I'll pop up right away. Right. Well, uh, thank you for coming on. I hope to talk to you later on, man. And it's going to be fun listening to your podcast and catching up with you a little bit later. Sounds good. I appreciate that. Yep. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And remember, everyone, stay adaptive. Stay adaptive.